Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, Episode 6, and I am your host, Demetrius Malbro. Please follow me on Twitter, at DMalbro, connect with me on LinkedIn, and also please consider joining my LinkedIn group, Backup and Recovery Professionals, which currently has about 16,000 professional members worldwide. Today on Data Protection Gumbo, I have the pleasure of speaking with Greg Schultz, founder of the IT industry advisory and consultancy firm Server and Storage I.O. Before Storage I.O., Schultz worked for several firms in their IT departments. Later, Schultz joined the ranks of vendors with several firms as a systems engineer, sales, and marketing, along with the technologist roles. Along with his extensive expertise in data center operations and data infrastructure technologies, he has a background in electric power utilities, having worked in IT and a regional energy generating and transmission company. His past experience also includes hands-on technology jobs as a systems developer, systems administrator, disaster recovery consultant, and capacity planner across different technology domains such as servers, storage, IO networking hardware, software, and services. In addition to his analyst consulting and research duties, with an insightful and thought-provoking style, he is a pro prolific writer, blogger, and sought-after speaker, sharing his expertise on a global basis. So without further ado, here's the interview with Mr. Greg Schultz. Uh, one thing that's really interesting to me right now is the consumerization of IT. Um, you know, we all have our, you know, Blackberries, but Blackberries may be um, long and far gone now, but they're trying to make a comeback. Um, so your smartphones, iPads, tablets, you know, all of those different types of devices are now in play in the IT environment or the data center. So what, what do you think about that? Do you see anything... Um, from the consumerization of IT actually encroaching um, in your space? Well, I, you know, to say encroaching, uh, boy, I'd have to think about that or just simply laugh and chuckle. Um, <laughs> it, the reason I say that, Demetrius, is that, you know, we're having this conversation today and I've got a Windows tablet not far away from me. I've got an iPad over um, not far away from me. I've got my iPhone sitting right next to me, and I'm recording this off of my uh, regular uh, uh, ThinkPad X1 tablet. Okay. All okay. of those could be seen as consumer devices. Okay? Right. All of those are also protected, um, whether that means they're being backed up, whether it means that they're being synchronized, whether it's being done locally, whether it's being done to a, um, a cloud provider, whether it be iCloud, my cloud, your cloud, whoever's cloud it happens to be. So, I mean, all of those are part of it. And I guess, you know, it ties into this whole theme of, you know, the bring, it, bring your own device versus having a provision. But, you know, what? they're there. That's the reality of it. Uh, the bigger question is, what are you going to do with them? What are you going to do about them? Right, right. So the proliferation of mobile devices is definitely something that's happening at a breakneck speed right now. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I mean, you know, think back is uh, for some, maybe they were still a glimmer in some parent's future eye. 
Uh, for others, they were uh, little toddlers. For others, they were uh, maybe seasoned veterans. But, you know, a couple generations ago, we had this thing called the PC that showed up, and they just took off, right? Right. Okay, so this is where, for some, it's going to be new revolutionary. For others, it's going to be uh, deja vu. But we had the same challenges then. All of a sudden, these PCs, they popped up. They proliferated. And all of a sudden, IT had to figure out, what the heck are we going to do with these? How are we going to address them? Do we rein them in? Do we control them? Do we just let them go? The exact same thing is happening again. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that's true. So, you know, one thing that I'm not seeing a lot of, though, is a lot of products or backup and recovery softwares out there that will be able to protect, let's say, the endpoint devices or your mobile devices. I know there are some companies out there. Um, I think I've seen Asigra has some type of cloud backup and maybe even Druva. Um, so there are some, some niche players out there protecting that space. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, me, I play in the enterprise um, data center space. So we're not talking about, you know, proliferation of mobile devices. We're still kind of stuck in the era of just protecting servers and desktops and maybe even laptops for that perspective. So, well, I think any, there's, any, yeah, there's, I think there's an interesting couple of themes in there, Demetrius, which is mm-hmm. that, okay, so if you're looking at this from, you know, whether it's the big enterprise, a small, medium enterprise, SME, or even the SMB perspective, is that there's still that taking care of the server, whatever that server happens to be. Well, as you go down into a smaller environment, that server might be a workstation. That server could very easily be a powerful laptop that's acting as a server to your um, Droid, your iPhone, your Bluetooth devices, etc. But if we take and shift back here for a minute is that, yeah, there are traditional enterprise-focused, enterprise-focused backup providers that have added modules, that have extended their product to reach out to not just the laptops, not just the tablets, but even the phones. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole different category of those if you move into an adjacent area. That's where you'll start to find a whole another set of players that may not be common names that may not be common players are seen in the traditional data center, but they're known down as you get closer to the desktop or the workstation or the tablet. I mean, we start seeing the people like uh, Vembu, uh, where you start seeing the Acronises, you know, the Unitrends, a bunch of others who have actually moved from the workstation, the desktop, and are actually moving up into the small data centers. But then yeah. if you go further out, yeah, there's a ton of tools that you could put on your iPhone, your Droid, whatever it happens to be, that can protect it, sync it, back it up, copy it to the cloud or whatever, but that may be nowhere near on the radar for the additional enterprise. So I think it's one of those where you have to look at not just the current players in a particular area, but who are their peers, who are their counterparts in a different adjacent area. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's definitely a, a space that is continually uh, growing right now. And, you know, from my perspective, you know, I'm on the enterprise side, so I really only deal with the server. But I am seeing more and more of these niche players starting to come on to the scene. Right. Uh, so to me, that's cloud backup and recovery. Uh, from that perspective, I do see that um, lots of vendors are starting to jump into the cloud game, whether they are assisting with private, hybrid, or public clouds. Uh, what are you seeing uh, from a cloud backup and recovery perspective? Well, a couple of different things there, Demetrius. First is 
you know what? The tendency is to use new things in old ways. And what I mean by that is, for example, taking disc and replacing tape and using disc, but using it like tape. In other words, you're still doing your daily backups. You're still doing your weekly backups. You're still doing the same intervals, the same retentions. Maybe your problem with tape was it was getting expensive because you were never expiring tape. Well, guess what? All of a sudden, you put the disc in. Sure, you can compress it, dedupe it, but if you're never expiring it, you're going to have a disc problem in the future. Okay. Um, As opposed to starting to rethink, reshift how you use it, when you protect, um, when you go about, how much are you covering. But let's tie this back to the cloud. Some people are now swapping their local disc out or even their local solid state out and simply sending it to the cloud. So instead of mm-hmm. backing up the tape or backing up the disk, they're backing up to the cloud. Okay, that's the good news is that now they have that copy off-site, but hopefully they have a copy on-site. You remember the uh, the classic 321 or 4321 rule? In other words, at yeah. least four versions, at least three copies of those different versions, different combinations, um, and at least two different medias or systems, and one of those off-site. Okay, so in other words, okay. if you're going to send something to the cloud, have a copy local. If you're going to have a copy local, send a copy to the cloud. But have more than just one version of that copy. Have a couple of different days. It might be a week and uh, a couple of uh, daily incrementals, but have those different versions. But so far, people, they're using the cloud as that new target, as that new destination, that new dumping ground, similar to where they dump the disk or dump the tape. Okay, it's compressed, it's deduped, all those good things. But right. now let's go that next step, which we're starting to see, which is, okay, so I've sent my backup to Amazon or uh, uh, to uh, Amazon S3, Simple Storage Service, or to Google Cloud Storage, GCS, um, or to Microsoft or Azure, or take your pick, okay? I've yeah. sent my backup there. What format is it in? Is that in a tarball? Is it in a save set? Is it in some mm-hmm. sort of container? Or is it a flat file? Now, I've got the good news is I've got my copy of my data at the cloud. Okay, now what am I going to do? Am I going to wait for that copy to come back, just like I had to wait for my copy of my tape to come back from the uh, offsite? Or right. can I start to use that copy in the cloud? In other words, can I restore into the cloud stand up my server, spin it up, do my restorations, um, and start to use the cloud not just as a destination, but also as a place where I can start to do recovery. Right. So and you also talk about speed and efficiency and being able to spin up, I guess, a VM on the fly within minutes versus, you know, hours or oh, even absolutely. days. Absolutely. I mean, that's a stepping stone, which is, if I'm really concerned, if I've got a SQL server in my prime location, mm-hmm. okay, um, and if that's really a concern, then why do I stand up a SQL server and replicate to it or at least ship logs? Or it could be an Oracle, okay, why, at least have a secondary copy maybe in standby. Well, if I don't have that secondary site, why don't I spin up a um, uh, an Amazon machine or an Azure machine or a Google or a Rackspace or, or take your pick and have my SQL server running there where I could fail over? I might still have an hour or two where I have to resync or things like that. Um, you could start to do things like that. Or if that's not your requirement, at least have in your procedures as part of your recovery steps – 
where you've got your data at a cloud provider, what does it take now for you to power up a cloud instance, an Amazon machine, an AMI, um, a, a, a Google or Azure or a Rackspace or an HP, um, an IBM software, whatever it happens to be, to spin okay. up your instance and now roll back or simply restore using that as your new recovery place. Okay. Okay. Um, that's that evolution, you know, the classic, you know, disaster recovery. You go somewhere, your tapes are there or they show up and you rebuild your system. Well, now you can do that in the cloud. The good thing right. about all this is that you can practice it. You can trial it. You can proof of concept it and figure out what do you need to pre-stage at that cloud provider, either having that instance up and running or that uh, you effectively have a volume parked there that you've got your backup software installed onto it, whether it's Commvault, whether it's Veeam, whether it's Dell Aperture, uh, Symantec, uh, Unitrends. We can play buzzword bingo, just pick somebody out. Okay, right. But you've got your software there that you need to recover your data that then you can start that restoration. That's now Absolutely. where you can start to use the cloud, not just as a dumping ground for your data, but a place that you can recover it. But we need to do one other thing here, Demetrius, which is this. So we've got the data that we send to the cloud. We've got the data that's born or that lives in the cloud. Okay. Okay. So many of the cloud providers are very durable. Okay. You know, in regular parlance, we talk availability or number of nines availability, things like that. We have to expand the conversation to include durability, okay? And durability, okay. you remember that 321, 4321, having those copies, having those versions? That ties into durability and availability. So in other words, availability is access, can I get to it or not, plus durable. How many of copies are they, and are they safe intact, okay? So if we expand this conversation a bit around that I've got availability, my accessibility, what we normally think is availability, but also durability. I've got these copies in different places. Now, all of a sudden, I can start to leverage that um, as part of my protection scheme. But part of what we want to start doing is that if I've got my data, so the clouds generally are very durable, at least the better ones are. But if I've got all my data and all my durability in one region, okay, Okay. Uh, and uh, think of it as like the, e, the, the, the U.S. East Coast, okay? And I might have it spread across different availability zones or uh, availability areas within that region. I'm still susceptible to something happening in the eastern region. Okay. Okay? So, well, I can do that by taking the data that I've got, say, in the eastern region and backing it up protecting it, making a copy, but having a copy somewhere else, maybe in the West Coast or maybe in Europe or somewhere else in the world uh, within your uh, uh, geographic constraints or your, uh, um, what you're allowed to do. So what that means is that we have to protect the data that's in the cloud to another location as well as protect the data that's local. Okay, great. So c kind of switching gears a little bit here. You know, that's, that's cloud and the whole um, realm of things that happen in the cloud, right? That, that buzzword. Yep, yep. Um, uh, let me throw another one at you. Sure. How about P PBBA? You, you've heard that acronym before? Oh, absolutely. Some would call <laughs> that uh, purpose-built backup appliance. Right. Some might also call it PAPS Blue Ribbon Beer um, <laughs> that's accessible. 
Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, here's the thing is that, yeah, you've got your uh, PBBAs, but you also have virtual purpose-built backup appliances. So, in other words, where it's not the classic backup server turnkey um, that goes out with the backup software or with XYZ, Convo, Dell, right. um, uh, IBM, uh, Veeam, take your pick of, uh, of um, uh, ArcServe. Um, oh, by the way, ArcServe is now independent of CA. Did you know that? Hmm. Yeah, CA, ArcServe, uh, so. yeah, they've, uh, whether you call it, won their independence, bought their independence, but yeah, as of uh, not too long ago, they are now independent of CA after having been a part of uh, CA for quite a while. I um, did not know that. Yeah, and you mentioned PBAs because that's one of the things they have. So there's a lot of different uh, appliances that are out there. I mean, you've got the players like Barracuda, and there's a long list of them. Yeah, that, and you, you, you can't forget EMC, number yeah, one. Yeah, so you've got EMC out there, you've got yeah. IBM, and, and some of these play in the enterprise. Some of them are in the small, medium enterprise. Some of them are SNB. Um, you know, you, you've got others. that You've got your Actifios. You've got uh, a long list of different ones out there, Rubric. Um, but you also have the virtual PBBAs, okay, or the virtual uh, backup appliances where uh, it's effectively download the software, put them into your virtual machine, you're off and running. Right. Okay. But here's what I see happening is, you know, people keep saying backup is dead. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to be hearing that for at least another decade or so. Right. Because ironically, some of those who are keeping the term backup alive are the vendors. As long as they keep talking about backup. It's going to stick around until they start getting people to be thinking data protection. Mm-hmm, you know, data right. protection, whether you're using disk, tape, cloud, optical, whatever, but that once you start using it and doing things in new ways, rethinking what you're going to protect, when, where, why, how, uh, this whole notion of backup is going to linger. So we got to start thinking. We have to start working in. Um, and I've heard you use it several times already, which is music to my ears, is we can't just ignore backup because we have to make that linkage because that's still what people know. It, but we've got to get them thinking data protection, that backup right. is a part of data protection. BCDR, HA, business resilience, those are all part of data protection. Snapshots, continuous data protection, common sense data protection, uh, archiving, those are all part of data protection. So that's where we have to expand that conversation and get people thinking more about how are you going to protect your cloud data? How are you going to protect your object data? How are you going to protect your big data? How are you going to protect your little data? How are you going to protect the mobile, the IoT, all these different things? It may not be with backup. It may not be with replication. It might be with sync. It might be with different things. But the notion is the data needs to be protected in some shape or form, including encrypted. Right. And, and you know what? One of the main reasons why I started this podcast was to pretty much expand the awareness of, you know, engineers and administrators, because for the most part, you know, we are, you know, heads down, you know, we don't look up and take a look to see what's going on outside of our own little sphere of influence, right? So we we are assigned, you know, some servers, a data center and an environment that we are responsible for, you know, monitoring and we check the logs and we get paged and, you know, things like that. So, the reason for this podcast is really to expand the awareness to, you know, engineers and administrators. Hey, you know, take a look, you know, reach your head up 
and just kind of look out to see what's going on. You know, you got virtualization, you have VMware's vSphere data protection. I think they just released a 6.0 version of uh, vSphere data protection. And I just read a little bit about that, and they're using EMC Avamar now, and they've expanded that entire suite to um, back up VMware and, and vSphere. So yeah, that's some, some really interesting stuff. Have you worked with that yet? Yeah, so the uh, uh, I was a part of the VMware version 6 beta, as were a lot of people. Uh, okay. A lot of great new capabilities in there, and you also have the newer version of the VMware replication um, uh, capabilities. So, uh, yeah, a lot of great, interesting things there. Certainly, VMware is on the mind of a lot of people. But let's right. not forget about Hyper-V. Hyper-V. Hyper-V yeah. is Microsoft. there. And, you know, people say, well, this is kind of funny. I find this one ironic, Demetrius, is that people say, well, great, but Hyper-V doesn't have all the APIs and plugins that VMware has, so it can't be as good. Yeah. Okay, good, very valid, fair question. There's only actually a couple of things. You've got ODX for offload, um, and then you have to kind of scratch your head for a little bit and then tell you, wait, and say, hey, wait a minute, stop, time out here. Isn't Hyper-V yeah. based on Windows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't Windows include things like VSS? Yeah. Well, aren't there like plugins where people have their uh, their backup tools, their data protection tools, plugged in and integrated with VSS. Yeah. Well, aren't there tools also for plugging into uh, uh, SCOM or System Center? Yeah. Wouldn't those also be applicable to Hyper-V? Yeah. Okay. So people kind of yeah. forget about that in that, you know, they become really focused around, you know, the VMware approach, which is lots of APIs, lots of points of integration, which is great. But they forget that they may already be plugged in to the Windows ecosystem using existing mm-hmm. mechanisms. So a lot of different options there that have to be uh, factored in. But we also have to keep in mind there's also KVM and Zen. Yeah, and you know what? I, I think you and I could probably have a two-hour conversation about all of this nice, interesting um, topics, right? So, you know, one other thing, too, uh, that I wanted to discuss before we actually probably end this segment, I know I'm going to have you on uh, for another segment as well, um, you know, security is really, really hot right now. And, you know, just, you know, almost every day we're hearing about some type of uh, hack or, you know, Anthem Health, you know, I think 80, 000, no, 80 million records were, were stolen. Yeah. You know, so this is a daily uh, occurrence. That, a- absolutely. Right, right. And, uh, you know, you know, when I talk data protection. Well, data protection includes security, okay? Right. Data protection is not exclusive to the security folks, um, but it's inclusive of the security aspect. It's inclear, uh, inclusive of making sure there's copies. Because if you think of it this way, is you have to protect. Think of this basic model that I use, which is protect, preserve, mm-hmm. and serve is the objective of IT. Protect, preserve, and serve information in the applications, which means, you know, protecting that data. So you have to secure it both logically and physically, you know, encrypting it, identification, rights management, all those good things, um, right. logically, but also security. But you also have to have those copies so that if something does happen, um, if the data is stolen, it's encrypted, it's protected, but you still have a copy of it. Um, if the data is damaged, it is encrypted, 
Um, but you also have a good copy that goes back to that four three two one that we were talking about. Right. Here's what I run into is people tell me, well, um, I say, well, you know what? At least use BitLocker. Okay. And it's funny mm-hmm. people will tell me they'll be like, oh no no no, BitLocker is you know it's terrible. You don't want to use it. It really anybody can hack it. Yeah. So can anybody get in through the usual typical lock on a house? Okay. Right. But that lock will deter most people. Now, is BitLocker the magic answer? No. Is it true crypt? I don't know. Maybe. There's other tools. But here's where you have to look at is, is it better than nothing? Maybe. Okay. But right. if nothing else, if you can say, yes, we protected, we had basic encryption, whether it was TrueCrypt, BitLocker, XYZ, whatever it happens to be, RSA. Um, if you have that, you're taking that initial mechanism that if something does happen, you can say, we had a breach, the data was encrypted, etc., etc. You can then let the people go on there and do point-counterpoint on how good the encryption is, the SHA algorithms, etc. Um, great. Okay. But do something versus nothing. Absolutely. So that that's all good stuff, and that's that's definitely one thing that you know, as backup administrators, as storage administrators, security and encryption, you know, that's not not on the forefront of our minds. You know, only if there's some type of service level agreement which requires it. But for the most part, you give us a set of tasks, and we'll just do the task, uh, yep. right? And, and real quickly on that is, you know, we started out talking about the mobile devices. That's my mm-hmm. frustration with a lot of the uh, the mobile phones and the smaller devices is encrypting them, okay? Uh, I'm okay. used to having, you know, encryption turned on on my laptops, encryption turned on my tablets, things like that. Um, it may not be the best, but at least I've got something on there. And that's my frustration um, with some of the uh, uh, mobile type devices is that um, you know you've got to go out and find there are tools where you can turn them on uh, you can control them you know etc et but find those tools and leverage them because that can be your weak link is that endpoint well great and uh, Greg I just wanted to once again thank you for your time and I really appreciate you uh, being available to participate in Data Protection Gumbo and have this wonderful conversation with me. Uh, you and I would definitely have to do this again so we can kind of absolutely we'll, we'll hone in on a specific topic instead of um, kind of freestyling as we've done. Today. Uh, no worries. No worries. Anytime, Demetrius. Thanks again for uh, inviting. I appreciate the opportunity. Not a problem. You have a great one. OK. All righty. Thanks, everybody. OK. Thank you. I want to thank you for listening. Please take a moment to check out Greg's blog at storageioblog.com and his website at storageio.com. Mr. Schultz can also be followed on Twitter at storageio as well. And that is at S-T-O-R-A-G-E-I-O. I welcome your feedback on iTunes and also ask that you provide a rating and share with your peers. Please follow me on Twitter at DMalbro and connect with me on LinkedIn. Together we will be able to add to the innovation of storing data more efficiently and smarter. Have a great week.